This is Without Compromise, a show that explores what happens when you won't settle for anything less than your crazy ideas. We'll talk to athletes, founders, adventurers, and entrepreneurs of all kinds about living without compromise. I'm your host, Mason Gravely. Welcome to the show. We're programmed for survival, so our instinct is to give up on these situations, to move away from them. I thought if I didn't sign up for that race, that I was just going to disappear. It doesn't have to be these big, huge things that everyone thinks you need to do to make a difference. Today's guest, Taku, creates delicious dishes from the freshest ingredients that nature provides that he literally goes and gets, he forages, he fishes, and he catches, and he cooks and eats right there in some of the most beautiful places you could ever imagine. And he captures these experiences on his YouTube channel, Outdoor Chef Life. And today we're sitting down and talking with him. He is indoors today. Uh, we're talking to him about his process, about how he got into this, how he took this wild idea and ran with it, all the unexpected places it's taken him in the world. And what cooking outside does for you. It's a really cool experience. I personally just started getting into it, and I'm like in the process of building my own outdoor kitchen, cooking, learning to cook better over campfires and out in the woods, and it's just magical. So I'm really enjoying diving into Taku's uh, videos. He's got a ton of stuff on his YouTube channel. I definitely encourage you to go check it out. And one of the cool things that ties Taku in with Athletic Brewing is he has a beer with a lot of his meals. And of course, uh, with a lot of these trips, he's flying into remote islands or on these really long road trips. And sometimes it just makes more sense to have an athletic brew where you still get that flavor and style combination you're looking for, but not the alcohol. And I know we're entering a season of food here in the States, at least with the holidays coming up. So cooking and food and all that is on a lot of people's mind. So I hope you enjoy. Hope you check out his videos. And to learn more about what we've been cooking up at Athletic Brewing, non-alcoholic brews, go to athleticbrewing.com. All right, let's chop it up. Taku Kondo, welcome to, uh, welcome to Without Compromise. How you doing? Thank you, Mason. Good, man. Good, good. How are you? I'm doing well. We we have established you are not outside right now, which is rare. You know, you're yeah. indoors. Yeah. I came somewhere enclosed so you can hear me, you know, <laughs> without all the wind and other outdoor noises. <laughs> Where are you coming from today? Where Where's home? Uh, well, right now I'm in the Bay Area. Uh, I'm in uh, Redwood City at the moment, just staying with uh, my girlfriend's uh, sister and her boyfriend. So we're just staying out their place while well because we actually don't have a home at the moment uh because we're just constantly traveling so yeah and you're traveling doing these foraging cooking fishing trips right what, what did you recently get done doing uh recently we were in alaska uh mexico washington and earlier this year we were overseas in new zealand japan australia yeah. I mean, all those places to me with what mm -hmm. you do, you could spend a lifetime like perfecting the craft or like turning over every rock mm -hmm. figuratively and, and literally for you. Um, yeah. How do you like decide, okay, I've done enough here or I've done what I've set to do and I'm going to go somewhere else? Because those places are all so different. You know what I mean? Like Mexico and Alaska, you could spend years at either one. Yeah. Oh, I love Alaska. We've mm -hmm. been going up there every year for the last three years. This is our third consecutive year we've gone up to Alaska. And uh, 
we love it up there because the bounty is plentiful. You know, there's so much salmon and wildlife, mushrooms, uh, all kinds of stuff that we can harvest and use for our cooking. How did you get into this? I knew you. I know you were born in Japan, and you have a funny story about moving here and why you moved here. I want to hear that. Like, why? Why? What was the philosophy your your mom specifically was yeah. like? We're we're leaving here. Yeah, we. So I was born in Japan in Osaka, and uh, yeah, we were raised there, kind of normal you know, family. We uh, had two brothers. And uh, when I was nine, my mom decided, yeah, we're going to move to the States. Um, it was me and my two brothers. I'm in the, I'm the middle child. Uh, and we're just a couple years apart. And yeah, my mom, uh, we moved, we moved to the U.S. And once we moved here, you know, we just kind of got acclimated pretty easily. Uh, we didn't know any English when we moved here. Yeah, we just went to school. We did our thing. And years years later, maybe when I was uh, 20, 21, I asked my mom, like, oh, I never really knew the reason why we moved to the U.S. You know, back back when you're a kid, you just kind of go with, along with whatever your parents say and do. So I asked my mom, I was like, oh, why did we even, you know, why did we move to the States? And she said, because so, you know, us kids can be kids and have a childhood, be able to play and uh, not have to worry so much about school, um, which is, uh, you know, a, a opposite of a lot of what um, Asian parents are known for. Yeah. What, what do you think gave your mom that point of view? Why, why do you think your mom had that, I don't know, confidence, I guess? Uh, I think, well, she, the way she was raised, you know, her father, my grandfather was, was very strict uh, in raising her. I, I guess you would tell me stories like when she used to mix rice and miso soup like he didn't allow her to do that and like she just didn't have that as much as like freedom right to do uh, what she wanted so she, I guess it seemed that um, she wanted us to just do have fun have do whatever we, we want to and um, yeah she was never strict with us on on the school you know we made, she made sure obviously we went to school but um, she never pressured us into you know getting good grades but we all did Okay. <laughs> you, go. you, you you got by here in the States. Yeah. You got by. Yeah. Oh, yeah. man. Well, what would you say is, because I believe in cooking and what you do now entered a lot later, and you didn't, you weren't like planning to study this or anything in school. Um, what's your fondest memory around food from Japan, from growing up in Japan? Just the eating, I think. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> eating good food. You know, growing up with these... Um, dishes that are it's it's just common to have good food every single day and um you know you get used to that when you're a kid and that's what i you know i expect to have now too you know i just keep having good food and i decided to just make start making it on my own because um yeah when i was in college you know it's hard to um, afford restaurant quality food going out to eat so decided to start making it myself. I, I did a lot of cooking when I was a kid as well, cooking with my mom. But yeah, that's how I got sort of more into the, you know, more serious about cooking. Was your mom a good cook? Yeah, she was great. She cooked for us every single dinner, every night, uh, even though she was also, uh, she worked in the restaurant industry too as a server. And she would uh, leave, leave for work around 4 p.m. every day. Um, for the dinner service, but before she left, she always made dinner and had it ready for us, and we just had to, you know, come heat it up and and we have dinner. Um, she did that every single every single night. 
um, even though she like she wasn't there to eat with us, but she had dinner ready. Yeah, always always had a home cooked meal, you know, and things like that. Back when you're a kid, you kind of take it for granted. And you're like, oh, I got gotta eat at home. Like, you know, tell my friends like, oh, you want to eat, you know, go eat some something. Like, I got dinner at home. I gotta eat that. Or sometimes I'll just do, I'll just eat both, right? I go <laughs> I'll eat with my friends and then go home and get to eat my mom's food. <laughs> I'll get mad. Tell us about when when cooking started becoming something you became passionate about. It sounds like you did it all throughout your childhood, but when did you, maybe it was college when you kind of took ownership of it? Yeah, when I moved out of the house. You're like, I got to feed myself somehow, and I don't want junk. Right, and I I just like the act of cooking too. You know, the knife skill aspect especially, I just thought it was super cool. You know, cutting cutting the cucumber without looking, you know, and then... Just from a skill perspective, uh, I thought the like you know being a being a cook is um, highly skillful thing and very uh, useful thing to know how to do. Was there anyone you were looking at at that time to to like learn some of these skills like officially, or we just kind of like kind of like that kid that really gets really good at basketball on their own? There's no like formal training; they're just they're just doing it. Yeah, back in college, there was no formal formal training. Maybe some YouTube videos, you know watching the Gordon Ramsay YouTube videos and there's like some other uh, channels back then, you know, making like college type meals. And those are uh, always inspiring during those times. What, what made you want to start filming it? Because, Mm -hmm. and then also like take us through like the development of your style where you go out and find the ingredients, forage them and then cook it right there in the setting. Cause I, I feel like maybe you get one or the other, like people, buy the ingredients from the store, go outside, or they go out and get the ingredients and then go cook it inside. You know what I mean? They don't combine the two. You're doing both. Yeah. So I'll answer that one um, first. Yeah, there's a couple of things, but yeah, how I, so working in a restaurant is very, uh, as everybody knows, it's kind of stressful and, you know, you're enclosed in, inside and I always love the outdoors and um I always thought, you know, when, if I could do this outside, it'd be way better, way more, way more fun. Uh, I just love the aspect of being outdoors. So when I was always stuck inside cooking in restaurants, I always dreamed of that being outside cooking. So that's what that's what kind of that's why I do do the outdoors cooking because I love both. I love the outdoors. I love cooking too. So and food always tastes better outside. It, it uh, it's like when you're put the effort into it and just something about it there's a different um there's like different aspects of different challenges that goes into the cooking when you're outdoors but uh, those that's when it gets kind of fun you know kind of challenging um and you get to test yourself and see if you can overcome those obstacles it's usually win <laughs> in the cold yeah Usually wind. Yeah. Geez. Yeah. I was going to say like you're, you're, you're facing the elements when you're outside, which, which just makes the whole experience more rewarding when it's good. It's amazing. But when it's bad, yeah. it's memorable. You know what I mean? You're going to remember that lobster you cook on that beach. Cause it looks totally yeah. different than the next trip you take. Oh yeah. You just, uh, yeah, it does engrave the memory a lot more when you have these obstacles to overcome and then, at the end of it, you end up with a an amazing meal, and uh, yeah, very memorable stuff. Well, you were you were studying 
kinesiology, and you were trying to get a job at a sushi restaurant, but you, you couldn't. Like, what, what was happening there? I decided just kind of randomly, but not really random because I just wanted to become a sushi chef. Um, I had that kind of, I just had that goal because I, I loved cooking, you know, throughout college, like I said, and towards the end of college, I was like, well, you know, I think I'm getting pretty good at cooking to the point that I, I want to put myself up against professionals in the kitchen and uh, see if I can, you know, hang with them. And so I, yeah, I kind of pursued that. Uh, I went to several different restaurants, just, you know, handing him a resume, telling them, you know, I, I grew up with Japanese food. You know, I've never cooked in a restaurant, but uh, I think I can do it. Most of well, all of them that I went to directly, none of them called me back or anything. Um, they were all like, okay, sure. We'll just take your resume and, you know, <laughs> never see you again. <laughs> and, uh, but I had a friend that was like uh, a, a coworker at the time. His girlfriend was a restaurant manager, front of house. So I talked to her to get an interview with the chefs. And then, so I interviewed with the chefs at that restaurant and uh, they, they, uh, they were like, okay, you can, you can try it out, you know, for a month. Uh, if we think you're good enough, uh, we will think about hiring you. And uh, if you're not, then you got to go. And the month was also, it was, it's called a stage in restaurant industry, an internship unpaid. It was actually a little over a month. And um, yeah, that's how I got into it. I was like, okay, yeah, I'll take it because I'm here for the experience. I want to learn and uh, see what's up. And they, and by the end, sure enough, yeah, they hired me. Did you think you were going to get it? Was it like, oh, I'm killing it out here, like tryouts, crushing it? Or was it like, I, I'm, I'm really struggling? I mean, first first uh, couple of days, you know, sure, there's the struggle aspect. I'm just trying to learn everything that's there and see how the flow of things. And I have no idea what to expect. So there's that struggle. But within two, after two weeks, I was I was killing it. Like, no, <laughs> no doubt, no doubt I was killing it because there was like, you know, a couple, a couple others that had been working there for a couple months, and I was, I was doing be- better than them basically. And the other chef, the chefs were like, "This guy, this guy's pretty good." That's awesome. You might like this guy. Yeah, I could tell. I could definitely tell that. Um, because they were tell, they would tell me too. D- and did you like the work? Having never done it, like I don't. I mean, you didn't know. Yeah, I didn't know. I didn't know. That's the part of the reason why they wanted to me to try it for a month, right? Got it. Um, yeah. If I actually would like it, yeah. I loved it. Loved the hard work of it. We were cutting vegetables, prepping stuff for hours. And it really helps to hone in your skills, especially knife skills. So, you know, that's a totally different setting than what you do now. So what were the steps Mm -hmm. going from landing that first gig, which sounded like you did it in the non-traditional way, to doing what you do now that's super non-traditional that you know kind of carry you kind of carry that aspect of how you work on but how did that what were the what was that transition like from from a kitchen mm-hmm. to basically anywhere in the world yeah i'd never um really been scared to fail you know i'll just mm-hmm. go for it if i if I, if i happen to do well you know awesome but it, if i don't then it's all good i'll just keep trying or you know do do something else but uh, i think that's kind of why I've always done something a little more untraditional, just, just how I was raised as well. Um, very untraditional. And uh, the way I came into YouTube. So I actually worked in a restaurant and I went to work with, for my, with my kinesiology degree. I was like, 
working so much and not making any money at the restaurant. So I was like, okay, I'm going to uh, go work at the physical therapy clinic. Maybe, uh, you know, use my degree. I need to make some money. <laughs> and uh, so I had a overlap moment of overlap where I was doing working at the restaurant and physical therapy at the same time. Uh, and I did that for a couple, couple months and then I quit the restaurant altogether, worked physical therapy. And then I transitioned back into the restaurant industry again uh, to the same restaurant too. And after another year or so of that, um, just working at the restaurant, I went to work at a different restaurant. And then that's when I started my YouTube channel. Um, I started working at this omakase uh, sushi, kind of more high, high-end kind of style, but like it was a it was a very new school kind of thing where it was like a traditional sort of sushi restaurant where you sit in front of the chef and I serve you one piece at a time, but it was non-traditional in the sense that uh, we were all like young guys and just like to have a good time and the customers were, were just vibing with the uh, with the customers at all times too. So it was uh, more of a new school kind of feel to to the restaurant, right? And uh, yeah, like I said, at the same time I started the YouTube channel you know, thinking that maybe, you know, one day I'll, I'll become full-time, doing this full-time, told the um, the owner of the restaurant, who's also one of the chefs, right when I had like maybe 10 subscribers, right when I started, I told him, all right, chef, 200,000 subscribers and I'm out of here. <laughs> and he goes, okay, sure, sure, buddy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At 200,000 subscribers, did you know if you could make enough money at that time? Or was that just like, hey, if I get there, I, I can make it happen? Yeah, I didn't know how much money I would make with 200,000 subscribers, but I figured that that should get me. If I could get there, I could I could probably get further. And, further uh, yeah. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> probably do pretty well. So, so what did you start putting up there? And what was kind of like, what was some of that first content that you were putting up and how was it received? Yeah, some of the first ones I did like coastal foraging for sea urchin, uh, a little camping and, you know, just cooking outdoors. Within a couple months, like, um, I had one video, my third video ever. Um, it did really well. It, it, did, it got like 10,000 views in that month, I guess. Uh, and I was like, oh, you know, I was stoked because I was a brand new channel. Like, damn, I just got 10,000 views on this. Now I'm gaining subscribers, you know, quite a bit. And then right after that, I started going out with other YouTubers from the area, from the Bay that had established channels already, uh, mainly fishing channels. Um, people like Fisherman's Life and mm-hmm. have been doing it in the Bay for quite a while and um, had a good good following already. And once I you know, did these collabs with them, then I really started, my channel really started to gain traction and they came over from their channel to watch mine. They're like, wow, you're doing some cool stuff. And it took off pretty quick, I must say. Within a year and a half, uh, I, I went full-time. Was it 200,000 views and you're like, all right, I'm out? Or did you wait wait a little bit? No, it was actually 160,000 subscribers. 160. And I was like, all right, well, this is, you know, we're getting there. So I was like, all right, this is, I guess this is it for me. That's hilarious. So you've got so many videos, so much different kinds of food and different kinds of things you tried. Where were you getting the ideas to, I mean, that's like the worst question to ask, like a comedian, where do you get your ideas? And I'm about to ask mm-hmm. you this, but like, I'm watching one of you, I, I say this because I've lived in, I've, I'm from Florida and I've like, I feel like I know this place, but I feel like every time I go outside, 
Yeah. I learned something new that I had no idea, like something mind blowing where I'm like, we have those here. How did I not know this? How have I never come across that? You've yeah, had well, to experience happens, that. Happens all the time. Oh yeah. All the, all the time. And I've, I've learned through like some local foraging, you know, foraging books and things of that nature that that's really uh, useful. And I've just learned through other people, you know, friends or even followers, subscribers that message me and say, you know, try this and something they've done. So, um, yeah, just learning, just learning the knowledge from, from others, uh, I think has been the main part of, you know, figuring out, uh, what I can do. Has there been a, maybe a moment or a, a day or a story where, you know, you're, you're, you're looking out and you're doing what you're doing and, and you're like, I made it or I did it. I'm out here making, you know, doing what I want to do, making this content and almost like a, I can't believe it moment. I do that all the time. <laughs> all the time. All the time. I just say, just look at the views and like, that's right. That's right. We did it. <laughs> we did it. Smoking did salmon it. on a river in Alaska. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. You know, there's so much variety. Like I said, what has been something you've either cooked or caught that you you never thought you would and maybe it was much better or much worse let's take us through take us through the best what's been like the most unexpectedly amazing thing that you've made and cooked and thought this is incredible there's a weird one that i did recently that's um that i was kind of like fairly blown away by which is uh sea cucumbers okay yeah, that was pretty cool. Uh, I didn't really, I, I've tried them one time and like when I was working in a restaurant, somebody gave us samples and, um, and it was good. I remember it was, you know, pretty good, but I wasn't sure what to expect and I didn't know how to prep it or anything. And I just went for it and uh, turned out incredible. Yeah, I digged it, <laughs> cooking with it, just the flavor in general and, you know, the texture something that I didn't expect to be so, so good by looking at it. Uh, it but I would say there's, there's so many, there, there's so many things that I, I really am blown away by how good it is. And uh, I love all kinds of like shellfish or some of my favorite stuff. Um, these wild clams that we get. And I mean, obviously crabs and octopus and squid and all, all I love all that. And, even a lot of the mushrooms that I forage too. Some of the wild mushrooms are unbeatable. Just uh, un you can't compare them to store-bought mushrooms. They're just so different. Hmm. Yeah. How do you does do you feel like you're almost unlocking this side of the world that you feel like the vast majority of people have no idea exists? Yeah, I think as I get into as I get into the the um, um, doing all this, the foraging and fishing there's definitely like a good amount of people that know that have a lot of knowledge. Um, but yeah, like they are definitely people that are, have no idea as well. Um, I think there's both sides of it. And I think for me to know like how to cook them and how to harvest them is kind of the difference maker where I have that advantage of the knowledge of preparing certain foods and seafood and uh, things of that nature as well incorporated with the knowledge of the foraging and fishing as well what's something you made or a dish that was like never doing that again oh i tried um some ghost shrimp out of like inside a bay like i was half moon bay we have get, get these things called ghost shrimps they usually used for bait 
ghost like, shrimp? Yeah, they, they sh look like shrimp, but they have like one big claw and they're like really limpy. Not, not very lively. You dig them up out of the uh, out of the mud. And um, yeah, we tried those and that was really bad. That was the only thing that's been like really bad. Like it just tasted like the the harbor, you know? You know <laughs> like like so super get, fishy. Just not even fishy, just like rotten seaweed, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Now, I know you've been all over the world now doing this. What what has been maybe a, a place or a, or a food or a dish or a setting that was just something you never thought you would do? Maybe you didn't know it existed. Maybe you didn't think you could ever make it there or, or just something maybe a little surreal, a story about a, a place. Yeah, one of my favorite places that's been – like a, it's just felt like a dream uh, was this place in Alaska. And we got dropped off by it. Well, first of all, we had to take like a float plane into a small town of like 50 people or something. And then from there, we found somebody that could take us on a little dinghy out to the coast and drop us off on an island. And on that island, there's like this cabin with a hot spring and the hot spring is beautiful it was also enclosed but it, it also flowed out and there's a pool on the outside as well and it was just right on the coast you know waves crashing and stuff and uh i was able to we were hit it at the, a perfect time where it was actually it was like pouring rain out um the whole time we were there we were there for like three days uh two nights and it's pouring rain i there's nobody uh, the entire time saw nobody else but I'm fishing and foraging and uh, I caught a big massive fling cod this big fish just right right off the rocks and I'm picking like fresh um, barnacles like gooseneck barnacles they're very delicious delicacy that uh, people eat a lot in Portugal but we have them on the west coast as well and I'm picking like different seaweeds and all kinds of stuff and and I'm getting, I'm soaking wet at this time and it's pretty cold, but in the back of my mind, I'm like, it's fine. You know, I'm just going to embrace the cold for now because I know I'm going to go back and soak in the, in the hot spring and just going straight, straight back, soak in the hot spring for a little bit and then cook, all, cook everything outdoors. Um, the only sketchy part is like it's bear country. So <laughs> you got to like be careful too. with the bear. Uh, but uh yeah, I cooked this awesome meal where it was a whole plate of food. And our plate was just a, a big skunk cabbage, a big leaf. And uh, and I, we had the we had some sea urchin. We had the lingcod that was I wrapped it in some seaweed. Uh, we had the gooseneck barnacles and I think some mussels as well. Yeah. And it was just uh, and we ate it in the in the hot spring. And it was a very surreal kind of feeling where there's absolutely nobody else for days and we're just out there eating our catch. You know, I was like, man, I could, could probably survive here for a little while, you know, <laughs> and people get stuck there pretty often. So um, that was like, a, was like maybe the weather will get bad enough. We'll get stuck. And it's like, that'd be the dream. That'd <laughs> <laughs> be the dream. Yeah, the dream gets, uh, you know, that's something that's happened. That's, 
just a dream. What's something that hasn't happened that, you, that that you're really looking forward to? That's like, if I one day I want to do this, I want to do some more s- stuff like that where it's like a challenge, you know, like a more of a survival challenge style things, like a whole entire week, a couple weeks, or even like a month of like um, only eating what I've harvested, what maybe what we've grown, and only uh, yeah, just. Uh, Let's just live strictly off of um, some of nature. Any sort of setting? Mountains or forest, jungle, tropical island? I think my specialty is definitely like coastal. So, yeah, definitely something near the coast. So let, let me jump into some rapid fire questions and then we'll wrap up. What would you say you're most curious about right now outside of – I'm going to say outside of the topics that you, you do on YouTube, which are cooking and, and foraging, mm-hmm. um, what else, what other interests do you have or what's, what are you curious about right now? Well, I'm more actually, yeah, I like getting into hunting as well. Oh, um, yeah, I, I would like to do that for sure. I've, I've done a couple, you know, a few hunts, but, um, to, I've never like done it myself, like by myself or anything. It's always with somebody. So I think that's, I'm, Curious about getting into that as well. If you don't mind me asking, I, I meant to ask this earlier on, but what what is what is cooking outdoors do for you versus cooking indoors? When you cook indoors now, do you feel like something's missing, or is that just you still do plenty of that? It's just you know the cameras aren't on. Yeah, I still do plenty of that, um, and I still enjoy the cooking. Uh, like when you know people are over, I'll, I'll cook I'll cook meals all the time, and. Um, and there's people that think that's kind of like uh, uh, like a chore, right, for me. But, oh, not really. I, I enjoy it. Uh, it's, so it's still fun. But um, being able to do it outdoors is uh, even more fun. Uh, yeah. Usually with somewhere with a really nice view. And, you know, for example, we did a recently smoked couple coho salmon on the Alaskan coast. And... We just had a bench there and we just had this fire pit set up that's was, uh, our smoker smoked it for like hours and i literally just hung out with the with the fish smoking for the entire day and i had no reception nothing else i was just out there chilling you know mm. um, and, and it's really it's really just connects you with the nature and also being being away from from the phone too, that kind of helps. Just um, unable to reach anybody else. Uh, it's it's just a lot of fun. Do you feel that way about capturing the content too? Like sometimes I just gotta turn it all off. Mm, yeah, um, I, like yeah, I would like to. Sometimes I'll just go fishing, just you know, as a just I'll get I'll get my line in there, and then. Uh, it always happens to be like I was in Washington. I was like, oh, I'm just going to go out and fish in the morning. First cast, I caught a king salmon. I was like, oh, like, yeah. Dang it, where's my camera? Of course, of course I don't have my camera. <laughs> but it's all right now. That's just my memory. <laughs> oh, man, that's funny. But but uh, but I kind of, for now, it's it's like, well, if I'm doing it, might as well just throw on a chest cam or something, record it just because uh, I, can, I can monetize it. You know, it's, uh, it's like a, a double whammy. Hard to turn even, it off. Yeah, it's even if I don't end up um, making a video out of it, and a lot of times I don't. 
because uh, if it's unsuccessful or, you know, if it just didn't, yeah, it's usually because if, if I didn't catch anything. I'm always curious about folks that like capture their life for a living, what that's like. Yeah. Um, and there are plenty of times where I know, like I've kind of figured out like which, which parts I have to record and which parts I don't. So mm -hmm. I don't have to have the camera rolling at all, at all times, mm -hmm. you know? Well, what's your biggest fisherman story where it's like, that, that, that's there to prove it. So you can say, you know, you basically make up whatever you want. Yeah. It was this big. <laughs> oh, I got a couple. Well, I got, I got one that just happened on Friday. Oh gosh. Okay. Yeah. Let's hear it. So out in, in the Bay area, we've been getting these bluefin tuna. I've been going after them since last year and uh, over and over and over uh, trip after trip has just been a, a skunk, you know? No, no bites, no bites. And then a few weeks ago, I was with a friend and we were also going for tuna and we did get a bite and we um, reeled it all the way in and at the boat, you can see the fish and it's a massive fish. It was heavy, really heavy. It took us 40 minutes to bring it in. And then all of a sudden, like as we're kind of getting the gaff ready and everything, all of a sudden it just runs to the motor and it just wraps around the motor, cuts the line. And it was just watch it sink down, back down into the ocean. And like, no. And in that, and of course, like if you fish, if you're a fisherman, like you just, it's a nightmare. You just think about it so much. What could I have done differently? You know, what, if I would have done this, would it have come off, broke off or not? So that's been, and that's been, you know, um, eating at me. So then I had to, I had to get out there before, before I left on this next trip, which is on Wednesday. Um, so I went out again and no nothing. And then I went out again on Friday. And then finally, um, we, I got, I got, we hooked another one, landed 150 pound bluefin tuna. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And we actually landed two back to back wow. on that, on that, uh, that day. Uh, yeah, just happened Friday. And, um, we, also, because we caught it and I really was just stoked on it, I decided to share it with the public. And I invited people just through Instagram. I invited them to come and uh, have a taste of this bluefin tuna. I just set up a, a table on the pier and uh, gave people a bunch of uh, tuna. Check out the check out the fish. Here's the, I haven't posted this on Instagram because oh I have some. Oh, my gosh. So that was the. That's that 150 pounds. Yeah. Is that like hurt sitting on you right there? Yeah, it was. Yeah. It's like a human laying on yeah, you. I had, I had, um, two of the guys that I was with, they, they put it on my lap for me and I was like, all right, I'll just balance it here. <laughs> Take a picture. Was, uh, man, yeah. that must've been a beast to reel in. Yeah. I was with, I was with a, a professional, a good friend of mine is a, um, deckhand on a, on a charter. And a, uh, it's like a, just a small, you know, private charter kind of thing. But uh, yeah, he's a great fisherman. So wow. uh, we had him. So we had, yeah, we got the guidance, people that knew that what they were doing. Um, so yeah, that's the recent, the most recent uh, big catch. That's the biggest fish I've ever caught, actually. Wow. I mean, yeah. that's, that's pretty big. So if that's the biggest you ever catch, I think you should be proud. Well, it took a total of seven trips to to get one. To find no kidding. One. So you you what you just empty handed the others? Yep, completely empty handed. Even for you, even hours for you. on the water. 
Yeah. Hours. That, those are the ones that, you know, people don't see putting the hours in, but no results. So I have nothing to show for it until I get one. Do you feel like there's a lot of misconception about your life for uh, fans or just for like the public when, when they talk to you? No, I wouldn't necessarily say misconception. Maybe like some people think that we get, you know, we catch fish every single time, but, but I do put it out there that it doesn't, that doesn't happen. You know, I have videos where I'm fishing for four or five days to catch one fish that, that I've been targeting. And then same with this video, like seven trips and like eight hours each. So we're 50 hours on the water to get one fish. Dang. Yeah. I've had, uh, yeah, like our, my first salmon that I caught on my kayak took 10 trips. Holy cow. 10 trips. Yeah. I've, I've, uh, and in that video, I've kind of showed the days that I didn't catch too. And just uh, quickly, but like, oh, this is what happened. No fish again, no fish again, no fish. And then finally it happens. And just that persistence. And I'm also kind of stubborn when it comes to catching fish. And like, I can catch it, but <laughs> it might take a while, <laughs> but I'm going to catch it. Yeah, there's a couple of them that's coming up too this month that I haven't caught and and uh, that I've lost before. You know, GTs are giant trevally, very powerful fish. Uh, one of the most powerful fish I've ever felt. Oh, yeah, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of look like a jack. Yeah, it's a type of jack. Yeah, I had a few on the line three of them to be specific uh, back uh, earlier this year on an island called Niue. Um And I lost all three of them just because they're so strong and they just fight you. And it's, it's, it's insane. It's the craziest fishing I've ever done. Somebody explained to me, like, it, it, it's like a UFC fight. You go in there, you gotta, you gotta beat them up first before you get beat up. And I got beat up <laughs> multiple times. <laughs> so that's on, that's on my list. So the next one on the list. That's awesome. Probably. Where where is that going to be? I'm going back to the same island. It's called Niue, and you and Iue, yeah. Very exciting. Well, sorry, I had to get off got I, off track. Let's get back uh, to rapid fire. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Then we'll wrap up. What is your proudest achievement outside of cooking and 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 fishing videos? Uh, outside of cooking and fishing videos, um, or your career. Let's put it that way. My career. Outside of your career. Outside of my career. Oh, oh, okay. Um, now I've been talking about fishing and that's all I can think of. <laughs> no, I can only think of my big fish. Uh, what do I do? What do I do besides my fish? It's Man. basically my life, bro. Like, okay, right, right, let's put, let, let me rephrase. Let me rephrase it. Okay. What is... Well, come, back, come back to it. Come back to it. What, what is your proudest achievement so far with with the things you've accomplished let's put it that way is it building your channel is it you know mm. doing these trips is it i i don't even know i think building a community you know within building the channel this the the community that i've built is i can i feel like um anybody that hits me up on even online even though it's the crazy price like i constantly have somebody take you know that I invite me on trips and just uh, go hang out with and, you know, that are very generous. Uh, they're the most amazing people that I've ever met every single time. Every person that I've met through my YouTube channel, my Instagram has been um, incredible and uh, never had anything 
weird happen, which is, you know, probably kind of rare when you, when you talk about people <laughs> off the internet. But uh, so that's, and, and whenever I go somewhere, even a place I've never been before, um, I mostly like, most likely like I have a, a follower or subscriber from that place and, and um, they invite me somewhere, which makes me feel like I, anywhere I go in the world, I have friends and just the, yeah, I think that's pretty cool. That's really cool. That's something that I've, even when I was uh, like in college, like I did some travel, uh, study abroad stuff and wanted to have friends all over the world. And now I, I, I have that. Like that's a really good answer. Community, you have friends all over the world. That's that's got to be a neat feeling. Just almost like, no matter where you go, you know somebody knows you and has your back and will yeah. be there in a time Absolutely. of need. Um, what a cool feeling! It's happened time and time over and over. And right now, like we have a a, a van that we bought in New Zealand, and I randomly. Uh, we were leaving, coming back to the States for several months. So I just put on Instagram, hey, anybody in Auckland, I can store my van for a few months and I immediately, yeah, bring it, bring it to my house. And I just left it, at, left it at this guy's house and he's been taking care of it, you know, making sure it's still running and he like even took it to get inspected. And like, I didn't even ask him to do that, but. Um, that might be the best answer I've ever heard of that question. I didn't, and I, See, it, it took getting through it. You know, we yeah, changed yeah. it around. We kept it going. Yeah. Um, so as you pursue this, you're probably no two days look the same. What's a daily habit you try to stick to? Oh, lately, it changes all the time. <laughs> well, a daily, <laughs> daily habit I stick to, I eat breakfast every day. Yeah, I drink coffee <laughs> like a freaking maniac. So that's about the only thing yeah. that's consistent. <laughs> so. I've been trying to do, I, I've been trying to work out more. So I'm doing the workout stuff and... And, um, yeah, that's for consistency. I don't have much of that, to be honest. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. There that's might not what, be anything. That's the downside. I guess, that, you know, you could say that's a downside to traveling all the time, being on the road and stuff. There's no consistency. That's the hardest thing to have. Not for everybody, that's for sure. And I'm sure yeah. that's probably what keeps a lot of people from getting to the level you get to. Um, yeah. You know, I know you have a beer with a lot of your meals and there's a lot of times a different kind. You love beer, which is great because, you know, we make beer or we make non-alcoholic craft beer. Mm -hmm. And uh, what would you say is one of your favorites of ours? Well, uh, the the award-winning IPA one, our wild IPA. Um, That one is delicious. I mean, it's... uh, it's flavorful and that's just how I like the, I, I like my IPAs. And, uh, I mean, if you didn't tell, if you didn't tell me it was non-alcoholic, you wouldn't be able to tell. And, uh, my girlfriend really liked the sour. She really likes sour beers and she really enjoyed that one. Oh yeah. Um, we make a couple. It was probably Downwinder, um, Downwinder Goza or it might've been one of the fruit ones, but, mm-hmm. uh, so yours is run wild IPA. Sweet. Yeah. Um, well on each of the cans, it used to say brew without compromise because, you know, doing anything against the grain, anything different, you know, whether it's moving your family across the the world or starting a YouTube channel, leaving a secure job or, you know, starting a non-alcoholic brewery, it takes like being excellent, doing it really, really well to give it the best chance of success. 
Uh, so we used to say brew without compromise, but also really you got to live without compromise. What does it mean to you to live without compromise? Taking chances, I think. Going after it and uh, having no regrets of doing what you want to do. Yeah. There you go, folks. You can find Taku outside. Well, you know, technically you're not going to go find him outside. You're going to find him on YouTube where he'll be outside on his videos, catching amazing foods, foraging around the coastal areas of California and beyond, cooking up some delicious and sometimes quirky meals. Outdoor Chef Life, to try our delicious non-alcoholic craft beers, athleticbrewing.com. Thank you.